Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. All right, so today we're going to talk with Edwin Walker. He's the principal attorney for Texas and U.S. Law Shield. We're going to talk to Edwin about those things that everyone has a question about when it comes to the Texas handgun laws. Those questions that attorneys hate to answer the question to. Yeah, those little things like, can I shoot someone in the back? Those little things like, um, well, can I open carry my handgun without a license in my vehicle? Yeah, we're going to talk about all those little tough questions, all those tough things. We're going to put Edwin Walker, we're going to put him on the fence. We're going to ask him all those hard questions. But before we talk to Edwin, did you guys hear that the mayor of Austin, the mayor of Austin, Texas, boycotted the Veterans Day Parade? He boycotted the Veterans Day Parade. Whoa, let me tell you. He definitely, you know, how, who does that? Who boy- Shame. 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 Absolutely. Shame on the mayor of Austin for boycotting the Veterans Day Parade. I tell you, I, I, I still don't know what to say to that. You know, who does that? Why would you do that? Why would you boycott the Veterans Day Parade? Anyone? Well, is, is there anything that you can think of that would justify him boycotting the veterans. We're talking veterans. We're talking people that have served in all wars. Do you know that the person who led the parade was Mr. Overton, Richard Overton, the oldest World War II veteran who happened to be African-American? He led the parade. Do you know that there are Buffalo soldiers in that parade? I was in that parade. I served 12 years in the Army. This is about veterans, you know, recognizing veterans of all wars. Did you see the rebel flag? No. You didn't see it at all? It may have been there, but I didn't see it. If Maybe you would one, have saw it would, it, would it have affected you? No, absolutely not. They're proud losers. Who cares about proud losers? Yeah. They lost the war. So if they want to be proud about that, that's fine. But this is veterans of all wars. All wars. Oh, you look at the times, man. Specifically in this time, that sign, that flag is being flown as uh, as a sign of disrespect to okay. black people around. I mean, around the nation. So, I mean, he uh, him boycotting it is, is no different than uh, Pence leaving the football game in Indianapolis, or you know, uh, he is an elected official. 
elected Mike by the people. Pence and you're walking, you're walking out on on veterans, all veterans. You're saying, hey, you know what? There were people who served in the military during times in the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, when it was tough. It was rough. But you know what? They served anyway. And they served proudly. And they came back and they were sped on. But you know what? They were proud veterans. And they did what they had to do for this country because it's about the country as a whole, not about any one individual or one group that decided to be stupid. But that's that's why the whole Colin Kaepernick thing got out of hand because everybody looked at it as him disrespecting the national anthem. He he was only addressing one specific situation by by uh, making that stand. Uh, I'm not I don't know uh, what Mayor Eller. Uh, he's always upset with me sometimes. Um, but I don't know what was in his mind, but I'm not going to. Well, he lives know. in a W hotel. He's in a whole nother world anyway. So he lives in a W. And so he doesn't get a chance to, you know, to drive to work every day. So he doesn't know what traffic is like in that stuff. So for him to be the mayor, an elected official, you know, so he's missing some things. But that's OK. Yeah. Well, we got Donald Trump as president. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I like Donald Trump. Our elected officials. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's open. I'm, it's going to get harder from here. It, it's it's America now. It's what it's what the, it's the definition of democracy now. Yeah. We have what nine transgenders that were elected. We have, uh, you and that's know, a great thing too. That's a great thing. That's a big step in this country. Absolutely, yeah. And and I think Donald Trump being a president is a big step for maybe because of different reasons, but because uh, there's a, a some child somewhere in in some elementary school that sees Donald Trump and says, "Hey, maybe I can be president if he can be president." Absolutely, you know, it sparks a. a hey, if George there. Bush can be president, anyone can be president. He uh, was a D student. George, George <laughs> I'm just, hey, it's going to get harder from here, I'm telling you. George George Bush's feet were made for the yellow big road, man. <laughs> hey, hey, he ended up being a good president, let me tell you. He got so, a whole bunch of money off oil. I, I would rather have George Bush right now, I would tell you that. That's okay. It'd be a lot less controversy. Hey, I, I like a president that speaks their mind. You know, let us know what's going on. You know, keeping it real. Not letting the uh, the media dictate to us what we should hear or what we should understand. Yeah. So he's actually telling us what it is and what it really is. I like that. So I'm good about that. Who, Donald but, Trump? You saying Donald Trump is doing that? Yeah. <laughs> he's telling it like it is. Yeah. He's keeping it real. Yeah. Well, some of the real that he's saying is not actual facts. Janai, tell me, what do you think? What do you think about our president? Um... And by the way, welcome back to the show. Everyone missed you. Thank you. Um, they, they tell me every time, you know, we go live on Facebook. It's like, hey, where's Janai? You know, where are the ladies? You know, so they miss you. Uh, you got a lot of, you know, the cougar is back, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Goodness. She's back. She's inside the studio. Wow. 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 That wasn't real cougar. Cougars are a lot more aggressive than that. Wow. <laughs> How's that? Lord. I don't know how I got that name. Um what uh so um donald trump i he wasn't my first choice but of the two between uh him and hillary clinton i obviously uh i didn't vote for either to be honest um but um main reason is i knew he would take it i had no doubt but i couldn't get myself to vote for, i wouldn't vote for hillary clinton absolutely um you hear that uh, she wouldn't vote for Hillary. I wouldn't. Either. What you got to say? About, okay, <laughs> this is why we need approval okay. voting. We need, I, I, 
I don't know where all this racist stuff that everybody talks about with Donald Trump. I, I, I really don't understand it. Oh, people were fine with him when it was in the 80s, the 90s, and he was standing up for uh, police accountability. He was standing with, you know, with the black community saying, hey, it's not about you know, race. It's so but much they're racist. making it about but race. So, yeah, I mean, this country does that. As soon as it's it's a white man with power, they throw race at everything. That's not the issue. The issue what is, is the issue is that uh, there's so many questions of these sexual harassment cases. There's all the facts that he gives that are really not look, facts. I, I, you know? I don't like that stuff. I've I've been assaulted. So yeah. let's make that clear. But I am going to say, um, especially in politics. I don't think you're going to find a politician that isn't guilty of that, quite frankly. Yeah, accountability and transparency. Um, everyone's got a niche. Everyone's got a weakness. But yeah, one of the don't. things I didn't like about Donald Trump is I thought he was a, um, uh, a, a what they call a rhino, Republican in name only. Mm. Historically, he's always voted for Democrats. And then all of a sudden, he's become a, a, a believer in, in he's pro-life and all these other things. And he's given more money to liberals in, historically than any other group. So I tell you what, as long as he stands up for the Second Amendment, I'm standing. I'm in Trump's corner. I'm stumping for Trump. Yeah, <laughs> what, what I, what I'm I, stumping for Trump. What I tell people is that the reason why Donald Trump was elected is because he said what the rest of America, was well, the popular majority uh, in this country, have been wanting to say from what almost a hundred years that they were restricted from saying after. They couldn't say it anymore legally, mm-hmm. but uh, he's just saying it, and people that voted for him are people like, oh yeah, uh, Donald Trump can say it, and we don't have to say it in front of everybody. That's that. That's why he got elected. To me, that's I just, think he got elected because Hillary Clinton I, was a horrible candidate. Exactly. Yes. The the Democrats actually they nominated you know as their person to go forward as Hillary Clinton instead of the other person who probably was a person that actually should have won, and and that's what they got. Well, she should have doubled back to Detroit is what she should have did. She probably could have got uh, a lot of minority vote then. She didn't. She thought she had it. At the and let's talk about what the real problem is. The real problem, and we're going to talk about this later after we talk mm-hmm. with Edwin, but the real problem is you have uh, a Demo- You have cities that elect Democrats. You have cities that elect a Democratic mayor, a Democratic city council member, uh, did it, a Democratic uh, city manager, um, and also – you have your Democratic DA, your district attorney, mm-hmm. and they have police accountability problems. And they're continuing to have police accountability problems. And these Democrats are not doing anything about the police accountability problems. Yeah. Here in Austin, you know what happened in Austin? We got the same police officer that has been responsible for three lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Three lawsuits in Austin yeah. where they paid out over a million dollars for the same officer in three separate lawsuits because of excessive force. Most recently, 150000 to a year. Oh, yeah. 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 Young well, we'll talk about that a little later. Yeah. Let's we're going to bring into the conversation Evan Walker. He's a, the principal attorney with Texas and U.S. Law Shield, and I want to talk with Edwin about some of the, you know, well this this past shooting. We had this church shooting last weekend, and with the church shooting, this guy had a he was actually a level two security officer with PSB Private Security Bureau, the Texas Department of Public Safety. Regulatory Division, the private security section. He had a level two security, which means that he was a security officer that did not carry a handgun. And he was in uniform and he was approved to be a security officer, but he was denied his handgun license. Now, these this department is in Texas Department of Public Safety. They're both regulatory division. One is the handgun license section. One is the private security 
bureau section. They're in the same building. They're on the same floor. Okay, one has two floors. You know, one has one floor. They're in the same building. One section said, you know what? You're denied. The requirements are the same. One section said you're denied. The other section says, you know what? We're going to give you a license. And this should not have happened. I want to know why in the world can, why can't the Texas Department of Public Safety, the regulatory division, talk to each other? So let me bring Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Show into the conversation. Edwin, welcome to the Come and Talk It, sir. Hello, Mike. It's good to hear. Uh, good to be on your show again. Absolutely, sir. So how's your weekend going so far? Oh, it's going pretty good. I know, Edwin. We're, we're asking hard questions, and it's not your fault. You're not the one to blame. But how is this possible? Well, if you're asking me about the DPS, you're going to meet <laughs> somebody with a lot more insight than myself. Uh, my all my experiences in my in in the you know in the two decades pl- two decades plus that I've been an attorney dealing with the DPS on various issues handgun issues not only handgun issues but issues involving um, uh, you know uh, administrative license suspensions with regard to DWIs uh, with regard to uh, you know anything else that the DPS regulates um, it's been my experience that every time you call the DPS and you speak to a different individual, you will be given a different answer. Uh, so the fact that they have internal issues communicating with each other does not surprise me. In fact, just to give you an example, I know that we're talking about, and, and, and one, one piece of insight, I guess, that I can give you is that the division that administers the license to carry, they basically start off with the presumption that everybody should be denied. Uh, they basically uh, take the position that you need to prove to us that you should have a license to carry. And anything that you present to us that is either ambiguous or unclear or that we even misconstrue, we are going to use that as an issue to deny you. For example, uh, just this week, I got a return visit from a former client who uh, two years ago we fought the fact that the DPS was attempting to revoke his license to carry. Now, the reason they said they were going to revoke his license to carry was because they claimed that in 1997 he got a deferred adjudication for an attempt to, I mean, for a burglary of a habitation. Well, you know, he was a teenage kid. He did something stupid, but he got the deferred for an attempted burglary of a habitation, which is not a disqualifying deferred. Now, keep in mind, just for your listeners, a deferred means that he is not a convicted felon. In fact, it means that the record has actually been, uh, that the case was actually dismissed against him. He can actually have his record sealed because of it. Uh, So he was not disqualified. But the DPS in their examining of the record, said, nope, he had a deferred for a burglary of habitation, therefore we're revoking his license. This is a license he had had for 10 years, and they just popped this up. Well, he, it, it, we went to a JP hearing. The JP hearing said this is ridiculous. DPS is wrong, 100% wrong. They cannot take his license. The DPS wasn't satisfied with that. They appealed it to a county court of law. County court of law judge told them, DPS, you are absolutely wrong. This deferred was for attempted burglary of habitation, not a burglary of habitation. Therefore, you cannot revoke his license. Uh, well, this past year, he had to renew his license. Guess what he got in the mail? A letter from the DPS saying, nope, 
you don't get to renew your license because you were given a deferred in 20 years ago for burglary rehabilitation. So now we're going to have to fight the entire fight all over again. Now, previously, I had asked for sanctions against the DPS. This time, I'm going to ask for sanctions again, and hopefully I'll get them. Uh, but if the DPS can't even clarify clarify somebody's record that they took to court twice and lost, then you know their record keeping or their their information gathering and distribution is hopeless. Wow, that that's that's actually that's crazy because that means that the governor, someone needs to do a little sit down with DPS because you know, like this shooter and with the church shooting, he was able to get a level two security clearance, become a security officer unarmed, but he was denied his handgun license. And so that means that he probably was not forthcoming with the information, but he provided his DD-214. So if he provided his DD-214 to the handgun license section, then they denied him because of the information they got from the DD-214. But he didn't have to provide his DD-214 for the level two security. So therefore, it was not they didn't catch that. Yeah, Michael, you're you're probably exactly right, because. Like I said, the the handgun license division, uh, they start off with the idea that they're going to deny everybody unless they, you know, until they prove that they uh, meet all the qualifications. So what I'm quite sure happened is the DPS had a hole or there was something vague. They wrote back to him and they said, hey, you need to provide us more information about this. And he either provided them the information that allowed them to lawfully deny him or he didn't respond to them at all within the window that they say respond to us by. And if they ask you for information and you don't respond, then they will deny you. Wow. It's not a case where you get it. You get it if you don't provide information. You don't get it if you don't provide information. Therefore, that's probably what happened is he knew that he was going to be found out. So he just dropped his application altogether and it goes down into the records as a denial. Wow, we're talking with Edwin Walker. He's the attorney, principal attorney for Texas and U.S. Law Shield. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Chad Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. off on the news of the day with the talk poll online at talk 1370.com talk 1370 the right choice welcome back to come and talk it and now here's michael cargill all right so we're back and we're talking with edwin walker he's with the texas and u.s law shield and we're talking about some of the hard things in life we're talking about can you openly carry a handgun in texas with or without a license what is legal and what is not so we're going to answer those hard questions for you today and our calling number is 512-643-LIVE that's 512-643-5483 that's 512 512- Six four three, five four eight three. Come and talk it. All right, so Edwin. All right, so let me ask you this: When you look at forty six dot fifteen, let's get right into it. Well, let me back up a little bit. Let's look at forty six dot oh two. Forty six oh two says that 
without a license, you can have a handgun in Texas at home, to and from your home, your vehicle, inside your vehicle. If it's a premises under control, your place of business, a watercraft, which is a boat, a travel trailer, camp trailer, truck camper, motorhome, and horse trailer living quarters. Those are the places that you can actually have a handgun in Texas and you don't need a license for it. Now, when you look at 46.15, which is non-applicability, 46.15 says, hey, you're exempt from 4602. And it says you're exempt from 4602 for a couple of different reasons. So, and I know these are the things that you probably don't like talking about, but I'm going to ask you to talk about them. So what are your, (laughs) so come on, Edwin, give it to me. Not that I don't like talking about them. It's just that there's, uh, there's a lot of confusion with regard to 4615. I mean, I, you know, it's a great chapter. I'm not, you know, I I think it's fantastic. I, I think that there ought to be more. Uh, more classifications added to 46.15. So, but there's a bunch of them. I mean, you know, they're basically what happened was years ago, some of these, uh, the part about you being on your own property, the part about traveling, the part about hunting, uh, those were actually in 4602 itself. Uh, but then the list just kept getting longer. And so they decided to cut those out of 4602 and turn them into their own section, which became 46.15. Okay, and so when you're looking at 46.15, right, so 46.15, uh, it says, it says a, you know, a couple things. So you're actually exempt from 4602 if you're traveling. So what is traveling? Is there a definition of traveling in the Texas Penal Code? Because that means, that means that, okay, if I'm traveling, that means that I can open, and I don't have a license. I don't have a license, and I'm traveling. I can have my handgun in my vehicle. And it can be in the open or concealed. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the holster if it's in the open, and I, as long as I don't have a license. That's correct. And, uh, you know, that, that traveling is actually one of the more interesting parts of this. Um, and I actually have used traveling uh, before, the traveling defense. And it's one of the oldest. In fact, it probably is. Other than the being on your own property, traveling is probably the oldest exception to the enforcement of 4602, the unlawful carrying law. And uh, and basically, it, it, it has no definition. So we have to look at case law. It's one of those things that it's a statute, but it's a statute that's interpreted and uh, that's defined by common law. And the common law, the case law, says that traveling uh, depends upon the circumstances. The only kind of disqualification, it can't be a traveling that is done uh, that is done habitually. So you cannot habitually engage in traffic, uh, traveling. For example, uh, there was a case uh, probably 25, 30 years ago where the guy, and this was even before the license to carry law, the concealed the CHL law, it was back in the early 90s, where the guy took a lot of money. He owned a convenience store. He carried a lot of money between his house and his bank and, uh, and the store, and, and and he carried a gun with him, and he tried to use the traveling defense. And the Court of Appeals, I believe all the way up to the Court of Criminal Appeals, said, no, sorry, you go these roads habitually. Uh, the word traveling was never meant to uh, to include the traveling between two places habitually. Uh, therefore, this is not what was intended by the statute. And so you have to look at the cases. Most of the cases are very old, and so there are certain things that held uh, – you know, traveling is certainly if you stayed overnight, that was traveling. Uh, if you, tra- you know, the old sort of the old urban myth, um, well, I guess it's not really an urban myth. It is somewhat true. They used to have to travel across two 
county line. You've traveled to three counties you are traveling. Um, that's actually true. There's a case that says that. Uh, there's a case that says if you go 50 miles, you're traveling. Now, of course, that was decided in the days when you traveled by horseback, and a 50-mile ride on a horseback uh, was, in fact, traveling. Uh, not so much today. It's just a commute in the city of Houston. Um, but uh, but those are those are things you have to look at. The interesting facet, though, and I don't want, you know, the interesting facet about this was back in 2005, the legislature said, we are going to fix this. We are going to create a definition of traveling, and we are specifically going to define traveling as you're lawful to possess a handgun, the handgun cannot be in plain view, you cannot be committing any crime other than a classy traffic offense, and you can't be a member of a criminal street gang. And so that definition of traveling existed in 4615 between 2005 and 2007. Now, what happened in those time period was that some very, very aggressive district attorney's offices here in the state of Texas said, guess what? We don't like it that people get to carry guns in their car and they don't have a license. So, And let me guess, it had to be Houston. It, <laughs> it had yeah. to be Houston. Chuck, yes, Chuck Rosenthal was the leader of that band. And uh, and they they made it extremely public that they were going to continue to arrest people mm. and force them to come to court to prove this traveling exception. And they read the law correctly. You know, I can't fault them. I can't say that they were reading the law correctly because they were reading the law correctly. They said not applicability means it's a defense. The proving a defense is on the defendant. We still have probable cause to arrest people. We're going to arrest people, and we're going to force them to hire lawyers, come to court, and prove their traveling defense uh, because we don't like the fact that people get to carry guns without license in their car. In 2007, a very, very interesting thing happened. Um, the Texas legislature was lobbied uh, in a joint effort. In fact, they actually put out a publication as joint sponsors, joint authors, between the TSRA, the Texas State Rifle Association, and the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. Okay. And they put out a joint publication that lobbied the Texas legislature to say, you need to stop this abuse by rogue district attorney's offices, and you need to take that definition of traveling out of 4615 as a defense and make it an element of the offense of unlawful carry. And so that's why you find that language in 4602 today. Hmm. Okay. And and so I want to make sure people understand this. You know, it's it's a lot complicated than what some people think. You know, yes, if you're traveling, you know, at, at one time you had to be traveling from one county to another in order to be able to have a handgun in your vehicle without a license. But then that law changed. And they said, okay, you know, everyone's presumed to be traveling, but then there's still case law. You know, well, then what does that really mean? Because the legislature didn't come according to what – you know what Edwin is saying, the legislature didn't give us a really definition of exactly what traveling was. So that leads us back to case law, right, Edwin? That's correct. And what would have what they should have done was whenever they took um, you know, whenever they took what they intended to be considered uh, to allow uh, unlicensed folks to carry guns in their car uh, and made the switch, you know, cut it out of forty six one five as a definition of traveling, put it into forty six oh two as an element of unlawful carry, basically an elemental exception in the, the unlawful carry law, what they should have done was either created a new definition of traveling or they should have cut out the word traveling altogether. Mm. Um, that would have made things a lot clearer. But, you know, of course, I prefer the fact that they left traveling. I think that's fantastic because 
you're exactly right, Mike. Um, it doesn't. It allows a person who is otherwise lawful uh, to carry a gun in their car, either openly or concealed, uh, if they meet one of these common law definitions of traveling. Uh, in fact, I talked to an attorney uh, about a, about six months ago. I'm, I need to follow up with him. And he had a situation where the guy was disqualified under 4602 for being an unlicensed individual with a gun in his car, a hand in his car, because he was accused unjustly, I'm assuming, because I still believe in the presumption of innocence. A lot of people don't nowadays, but I do. <laughs> um, he was accused of being intoxicated. He was charged with DWI. They go, aha, you've also got a handgun in your car. We're also charging you with unlawful carry under 4602. And he called, this attorney called me because he wanted to have a discussion about whether or not he should raise the defense of traveling. Mm. And I said, sure. And the reason is, is because all the facts were there. He was coming back from a hunting trip. Mm. He had all his hunting gear in the car. I think he may have even had a dead animal with him. Mm. So clearly he was engaged in traveling at the point that he was stopped. And if this lawyer took this case to trial, put forth that evidence that that would have that that would allow a reasonable juror to believe that he was traveling, then if he shows his applicability under forty six one top five, guess what? Can't be found guilty of unlawful carry under forty six oh two. All right, so let me translate what you're saying there. You're saying that hey, since this guy was out hunting, he's out on this hunting trip, he had a dead animal, he you know, that he shot legally, uh he had his uh his his firearm, and so since he was traveling clearly on his hunting trip, then he should be exempt from 4602, which means that then since he was, you know, charged with DWI, he's exempt from 4602. So he can't be unlawfully carrying a handgun. That's correct. Wow. I love it. And it, it, it makes perfectly good sense to me. So we're going to start talking about this a lot more because people need to understand 46.15, non-applicability. Um, it's, it's some things that actually come up in class. And I actually, honestly, I don't tell people about 46.15. Unless they ask me, they ask me that question, then I'll answer the question. You know, I, I definitely don't talk about it because it is one of those things where it's, you know, you really got to understand that there's so many other things to understand. And in four to six hours, there's so much stuff that we're telling you in such a short amount of time. If you only remember parts of something that can actually get you in trouble. So that's why we oh, don't. Yeah, yeah you're, you're exactly right, Mike. And it, I mean, it's very nuanced. And of course, the. The one part that prior to the uh, repeal of all the knife laws in the state of Texas, uh, people would often ask, uh, does 46.15B6, uh, which is the part that allows an individual to carry, to be exempt from 4602 if they have a license to carry, does that then also allow them to carry an illegal knife um, if they are both in possession of their license and a handgun? And so, know, the answer so, is, yeah. So, for is. instance, so for instance, I'm at a 7-Eleven, which, you know, posts the blue sign. You know, they post the blue sign, the TABC blue sign. Uh, typically, you would not be able to take, a, you know, a knife or whatever, you know, over five and one half inches inside that establishment. But if I have uh -huh. my handgun and I have my handgun license, then that means I'm exempt from 4602, which means that, hey, I should be able to carry that club, you know, or that knife inside the 7-Eleven. Correct, because it specifically, you know, it applies to the entirety of 4602, not just specific parts of 4602. 
So the entirety of 4602 is inapplicable to somebody who's carrying both their LTC and a handgun. Wow. Are you guys following this? You following this? Yes. Right, Zach? Are you are you tracking? You got any questions? Cuz you always have a lot of questions. <laughs> like, hey, Mike, what? I've got a question for you. All right, hold on, hold on there. Edwin, uh, we come back from the break. I'll let you ask uh, ask your question. Uh, we're talking with Edwin Walker. He's a Texas U- U.S. law shield attorney. We're talking about where you can, you t- cannot take that handgun. Talk about openly carrying your handgun in Texas with or without a license. What is legal? What is not? This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Maj Toure. You're listening to Come and Talk at Radio with Michael Cargill. You have made the right choice. Talk 1370. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're back and we're talking with Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. But you know what? I was just talking to Janai, and Janai was showing us some pictures of her, you know, modeling. Oh, God. Oh, oh yeah. Step on up to the mic. So, so Edwin, let me tell you about these pictures here. Um, you can tell you, she's got some nice pictures of her modeling. I'm trying to get her to take some pictures of some guns. What do you guys think out there? Should we get Janai to take some pictures <laughs> Of her, you know, with some guns. Because I'm telling you, these pictures here were pretty hot. Let me tell you. She needs some big old black guns to take oh some pictures Oh, boy, with. look at you. You're making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who took these pictures of you? He's a photographer out of San Antonio. Nice. Okay. And what were they for? Um, I was showing him that I was featured on a uh, site um, for, like, a fitness site. Okay. For... People that are uh, more mature, so they're they're marketing to, you know, people in their forties and up. Mm. Um, they they train them and whatnot, so they featured me on there. It's nice. called Aging Evolution. Oh no, we gotta get you on some younger sites. Get you on some <laughs> gun pages there, uh, taking some pictures of, with some guns and yeah, the young well, guys. I, I'm they... going to be doing that. I told you. Okay. I mean, I saw y- gun young- yoga is a thing yesterday. Gun yoga. Gun yoga. What is gun yoga? It's basically people they go do yoga with their firearms. Is it naked? Although are they naked? They're not naked. I just need to know if they're naked. But the problem is they have girls bouncing pistols on their butts. Ooh, so. That's so is this something that you do in your training, Zach? Well, you can't balance a SIG P320 or else they might have some issues. Because Zach is a personal trainer, so I'm just curious if you, you know, the ladies that you're training, Zach, do they uh, balance pistols off their, their buttocks? We haven't done that yet. I'm thinking of incorporating that as soon as possible. Okay. Uh, just checking because inquiring minds want to know because I just need to know if there's a video out there or something like this because I like to see them uh, balancing pistols off of their buttocks. I'll see what I can do. I'll post it oh for my you. God. All right, sure. Just checking. All right. So let me get back to Edwin Walker. And we're talking guns here. We're t- obviously, we're talking sex and guns. <laughs> so, All right. So, Edwin, so you had a question for me, sir. Yeah, Mike, I just want to know if uh, there at your store you still had some of those uh, chainsaw bayonets that I read about in USA Today. Chainsaw bayonets? USA Today posted this infographic with an AR-15 
that had an underbarrel chainsaw attached to it. I've never heard of that before in my life. Is that a thing? Is that real? I, I believe it's clearly not real. Oh. However, it just shows how I think it, it shows how easily the media can uh, can uh, be trolled and/or latch <laughs> onto things that are untrue with regard to guns. Wow! Uh, yeah. Which you know, I'll tell you. Uh, obviously, with the tragedy of last Sunday, um, uh, both Emily and I did numerous interviews across the country, radio interviews, and it it's 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 really terrible that we had to spend a majority of our time debunking uh, the anti-gun myths that are perpetrated by the media and its uh, anti-gun supporters. Really? So they yeah, actually thought that was a thing? Because I've never heard well, that before that, in my life. Well, that well, that's the most facetious thing that I came across during my uh, research this week. Uh, but no, you know, you know all the you know the same myths that they put out there. Uh, you know, AR stands for assault rifle. Uh, there's a gun show loophole. Uh, there's not enough screening uh, to keep crazy people from obtaining guns. Uh, you know, the, all the same thing, um, uh, including uh, what Senator Jeff Flake uh, actually said that he was going to sponsor legislation uh, to close the non-existent domestic violence loophole. Okay. Um, you know, which, of course, we all know that domestic violence has been a disqualifier since 1996. Oh, okay. So okay. the fact that a U.S. senator didn't know that there was a law in the books for 20 years uh, that was designed to prohibit, specifically prohibit individuals from obtaining guns, um, the type of individual that did obtain a gun in this situation, um, you know, it's just it's just ridiculous that, that we had to spend most of our time in interviews uh, debunking those basic media lies and 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 really that's that's the problem with the um with some people when they're debating gun issues is they actually have the wrong interpretation of what the actual laws are uh they're just uneducated about what the laws are and they're they're you know i, I it's just really weird when people come to class and they start asking questions i'm like where do you guys get this stuff from you know uh, i'm glad you came to class because you're getting the information because here's what the laws are it's not, you know, what you heard on Facebook. It's not what you heard on Twitter. You know, this is what it is here. It's it's really crazy. And and especially when the media starts talking about it, they really need to get some experts on there to vet the information before they air that stuff because that's really crazy. Yeah, and, and the thing is is that whenever you're discussing or talking to or debating one of these uh, anti-Second Amendment activists, uh, they clutch onto those lies with their dying breath. Um, there was a radio interview that I heard I was not involved in, and they, of course, had a Second Amendment attitude. Uh, whenever this, the, it was actually a member of Moms Demand Action said, well, you know, we need to stop this Internet sales loophole. And the guy said, there is no such thing as an Internet sales loophole. You are, you know, you're, you're spreading inaccurate information. Any sale that goes over the Internet that involves people of a different state has to go through an FFL, otherwise it's illegal. And she just refused to believe it. She said, that's not true. I can go buy a gun on the Internet right now with no background check. <laughs> and yeah, and it's, just, it's just amazing, their, their resistance to becoming educated on the thing that they're supposed to be 
talking about? Yeah, because they'll, they'll sit there and they'll tell you that gun dealers, I can go to a gun dealer and I can buy gun from a gun dealer anywhere outside their gun store. I can go to a gun show and I don't have to get a hint, a, get a, a background check. I'm like, that's not true. You know, that you do need to get a background check from a gun store, you know, no matter where they're transferring that firearm to you. And they can only transfer that firearm at a gun store or at a gun show. And if they do it at the gun show or the gun store, they still have to do a background check on you. Yeah, and and another one of their common tactics is that they will try to draw some sort of equivalency. They'll say, well, it's easier to get a gun than, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it may be. It's easier to, to buy a gun than it is to rent a car or buy liquor or buy cigarettes or, you know, whatever else they may try to put in there. But uh, And they never realize that, you know, for... The things that you have to have an ID for that you that, that you can usually get just by merely presenting an ID, guns, cigarettes, renting cars, uh, renting a hotel room, uh, having an ID is the first step in the process to getting a gun. There are a bunch of steps after that. So there's no way that getting a gun is easier than you know whatever they try to make some sort of equivalent to. That's going off the premise that the the majority of guns people see are legal, uh, but they're not. So, you know, that statement may be true for some people, but... uh, Are you talking about illegal guns? Yeah. The majority majority of guns people see aren't legal guns. Uh, I mean, especially the people that are saying that it's easier to get a gun than it is to do, you know, buy shoestrings or whatever. Well, that's because they're buying a stolen gun. But the people that I come in contact with, they're getting their guns legally. Yeah. And they're going to a gun store. They're, they're providing an ID. They're getting a background check. They're filling out a 4473, a form, where they have to get a complete FBI background check before they can walk out of that gun store. No, what I'm, what I'm saying is the reason why people are saying it's easier to get a gun than it is to do you know, certain other things is because there's so many uh, unregistered firearms, especially in— well, we no, don't register firearms. That's part, that's part of the problem there. We don't register firearms, you know, in the state of Texas anyway. So guns are not registered. The only thing that are registered are going to be your NFA items, National Firearms Act items. Yeah. So items that are like machine guns, uh, suppressors, uh, zip guns, AOWs, any other weapons, short barrel rifles. Those are actually registered. Those are NFA, NFA weapons. All the other guns are not registered. So we don't register any other guns. Yeah. Well, I see a lot of guns and, and a lot of them. So you see stolen guns. I don't know. I can't tell you. I eyes don't have like an automatic, you know, reader. I can't tell you, but I've saw a lot of guns. I love guns. All right. So we're going to have to get you in class so we can, you know, s- explain some more laws to you. Let's take uh, some and, and the more you hear in, on the show, you'll, you'll understand some more laws and you'll, I think it'll, it'll come to light just a little bit. Of course. Yeah. You can't, you can't have a, I mean, whenever you're talking about gun laws and you're talking about legal gun ownership and the restrictions on legal gun ownership, you know, you, the, the the existence of the you know the existence of the black market, uh, the illegal market is you know that that's irrelevant to this because there's black markets for everything. I mean, you know, people sell untaxed cigarettes, people still sell moonshine. You know that, and you know the thing about it is is that uh, the more laws you create, the fact that there is already uh, what 310 to 330 million firearms in the United States. Uh, if you, if the government takes the step of banning certain firearms, uh, or, um, uh, you know, trying to, trying to eliminate certain classes of firearms or firearms accessories, like with regard to quote unquote high capacity magazines, all you're doing is fueling a larger, you know, a larger illegal market. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And we don't want to and we don't want to pass any laws that will make law-abiding citizens, uh, you know, people who are not criminals today, criminals tomorrow, which is exactly what we're seeing with regard to the whole, um, you know, uh, in the po- in in the post uh, Las Vegas world, uh, all the legislation that was that was put into uh, all the legislation that was proposed with regard to bump stocks. Yeah, because I tell you what's going to happen. What's going to happen with bump stocks? If they ban bump stocks, here's what's going to happen. They're going to ban them. And if they do, what you're going to have is you're going to have people 3D printing them out of their garage. And you're talking about a piece of plastic is what you're talking about. It doesn't have a serial number on it. There's no way that you can control that. So you're talking about, you know, you're talking about you're going to make someone rich on the black market is what you're going to do by by doing that. Yep, you're exactly right. I mean, that's that's the thing about it is, is that the bump stock is probably would probably be the easiest firearm accessory to make in a with a 3D printer because you're right, it's just a solid piece of plastic uh, that happens to be cut, designed, you know, and printed in a specific manner. Um, you know, and that's thing; it's got no moving parts. Uh, it's got nothing that's particularly difficult to design or implement. Uh, it would be the easiest thing to uh, be the easiest thing to manufacture in your garage. Absolutely. Uh, I tell you. Uh, and let's see. Uh, there's another thing with 46.15 non-applicability where, you know, I want to make sure we're clear there. And I think we did mention it earlier is that if you have your handgun, you have your handgun license on you, then you're exempt from 4602, which means you can have that club, you know, and, and when illegal knives were a thing, you can actually have an illegal knife. So I want to make sure we're clear with that because it seems like someone had a question about that. So yeah, clubs. Um, you know, so we'll yeah, the, you can you can have a club. Uh, I know people. You know, the thing about it, I, I've actually uh, once the knife law went into effect in September, uh, I I was I have you know I've heard from several individuals who were like, why don't they do the same thing with clubs? And I told them that the you know the club lobby just isn't as strong as the knife lobby. And we come back from the break, Edwin. I want to ask you uh, about um, City Hall, you know, and the places that you can take an illegal knife. Can we walk into Austin City Hall with an illegal knife? Um, and understanding what they're doing right now with the handgun license. All right, so we're talking with Edwin Walker, Texas Link U.S. Law Shield. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is State Representative Jonathan Sticklin, and you are listening to Come and Talk It on Talk 1370. Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes made of ticky-tacky little boxes. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Oh, Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's my favorite song right there. That's for the libertarians out there. That's right. Yeah, little boxes, huh? From the little from the, the HBO show boxes, Weeds. Little boxes made of ticky tacky. All right, don't don't curse. <laughs> All right, so we're back and we're talking with Texas and U.S. Law Shield Edwin Walker. We're talking about some of the gun laws. We're talking about some of the uh, the little tricky stuff that's out there. Um, so we left for the break, Edwin. We were talking about, man, I actually forgot. I know, right? You said you needed a drink. 
That's what you said. Is that what I said? <laughs> that is true. I do need that. You know, and then we got on this little track about talking about something else during the break, and I totally it totally slipped my mind. All right. So <laughs> you I want to I want you guys to ask questions because you guys have always have questions while we're out and about and, you know, we're walking or whatever. You know, you have questions about, well, can I do this or can I do that? You know, so what are some of those questions you want to ask Edwin? Can I use a gun to catch a cub a if cub? I'm a cougar? <laughs> oh. Edwin, can Janai use a gun to catch a cub if she's a cougar? Yeah, in 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 light of um, in light of uh, recent circumstances, <laughs> I choose to invoke my right to make What? You're not going to answer that question. Oh, no, I don't, I don't need a gun. <laughs> but we're going to get her a gun. We're going to get her a big old gun because I need her to take some pictures. All right. So what were you going to say there, uh, Zach? So Edwin, let's say I have my license to carry okay that means i can carry concealed or i can carry openly in the state of texas correct okay so let's say i have my license and i am carrying concealed so i have my gun tucked in the waistband of my pants and then somebody makes me mad so i want to then quickly carry open so they can see so can i lift up my shirt and say what's up fool when they make me mad and then go from concealed carry to open carry? Not if it's not in a holster. If it is in a holster, yes. If it's uh, in a inside okay, the waistband holster. Just stuffed in your waistband. If it's in a waistband holster, then yes. So um, I can lift up I, my shirt, basically, and show them my gun. Um, yeah, uh, you know, because you haven't broken the law. You haven't, you haven't touched the gun. Now, obviously, there is... You know, and this 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 confusion comes from the poorly way that Texas's aggravated assault statute is written, in which um, Texas aggravated assault statute says that if you commit an assault, so that's the first part, you have to be accused of committing assault, even a class C verbal assault. So keep that in mind because you can, you know, under the law, commit some sort of assault. You can actually say words which put people in fear of imminent injury. Now it's obviously very very subjective. But, it's a, but you don't contact them. You don't give them an injury, uh, and it's a Class C assault. Well, because of the poorly way that the Texas aggravated assault crime is written, in the event that somebody commits an assault, even a Class C assault where there's no contact, uh, and while in the act of committing the assault, uh, they use or exhibit a deadly weapon, then that elevates it all the way up to a second-degree felony. And so that's why we, uh, you know, we advise people uh, be very, very judicious uh, whenever you are displaying, quote unquote, your your uh, quote unquote displaying your your firearm because you don't ever want to be interpreted as committing an aggravated assault. Now, this could be remedied, obviously, if the Texas legislature would just simply amend the aggravated assault statute to take out the word exhibited. So that you actually had to use the gun, as in, you know, put your hand on it and manipulate it in some way, uh, rather than just simply uh, allowing it to be visible. And, and now I want to thank my my Facebook listeners out there that are listening to Facebook Live, because uh, Scott, you just reminded me of what I totally forgot about, and that was talking about clubs and knives. Uh, so Edwin, can we actually carry a club or knife, um, a sword? inside Austin City Hall or the Texas State Capitol? 
would that be legal? Well, inside of most city halls, uh, yes. Uh, but I know you and your penchant for stirring up trouble at the Austin City Hall. Uh, so I would give you a piece of specific advice to say, no, you shouldn't carry your sword uh, into the uh, into the Austin City Hall. Now, because the Austin but, City you, Hall, they're going to treat that just like they're treating the handgun. Uh, correct. And they're going to give us fact, verbal notice. OK, uh, correct. And because a sword, um, you know, is still while it's no longer an illegal knife. So everybody listening, just cut those words illegal knife right out of your vocabulary don't use them anymore. They don't exist. Uh, those knives that now have a blade over five and a half inches are location-restricted knives. And Texas Penal Code 4603 uh, was amended to say that you could not carry location-restricted knives into certain areas, uh, one of those areas being courts and offices utilized by the court, which, as we all know, uh, Austin has determined that the city hall is a prohibited place as a court or office used by the court, at least until the um, trial court in, Ter- in Travis County and or the Third Court of Appeals in Austin and or the Texas Supreme Court uh, decides that that statute is to be given its plain meaning, and its plain meaning clearly means uh, that courts and offices of the court do not mean the entire building. Okay, so if I can carry my handgun in there with a handgun license, then I should be able – well, let's say without – Okay, so if I can, if a person can carry their handgun with a handgun license, then they should be able to walk into that same place with a sword, without a license. Yeah. Without a license. Correct, correct. And just remember that your handgun uh, license does not allow. Well, there there are some exceptions, and I'll get into those. Your all the places that are listed under forty six oh three can't go into those places even with a handgun license. So those places. You can't take a handgun, can't take a location-restricted knife. Um, However, uh, what they did was is that whenever they wrote the the location restrictions for the location-restricted knife, they actually added it as a subsection of 4603. And so it's 4603A4, I believe. And it included all of the places that are prohibited under 46035 uh, as well, and so you, you can't. So you couldn't. You couldn't take a handgun there. You can't take a location restricted knife there. But you can take a knife that is not a location restricted knife, and that's where that's where people need to get in their mind the clarity of that. There's no longer an illegal knife. There's only a location restricted knife. For example, whenever I talk about this. I bring a couple of knives with me so I can visually show people. One of the knives I bring is a Benchmade Infidel, and it is, you know, basically it's a a switchblade. It's an automatic knife, but it's also double-edged, and so it was previously an illegal knife because it's a dagger, and, you know, it was also a switchblade. Uh, Switchblades were, of course, the distinction was done away with them back in 2013. So, but I also bring a... uh, a cold steel kukri, which has a blade of six and a half inches long, and it's a folding knife. And um, and I can sort of and I illustrate the difference by saying, you know, showing them the kukri, even though it's a folding knife, it's single edge. That's a location restricted knife. My double edged automatic uh, Benchmade Infidel, not a location restricted knife. It would be a crime, in fact, a felony, for me to go into a school with my six and a half inch kukri. It is not a crime for me to go into a school 
with my five-inch Benchmade Infidel. Hmm. Okay. And so someone asked, well, can you carry that sword inside the Texas State Capitol? And the answer would be, yes, you should be able to carry a sword inside the Texas State Capitol. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, like I said, there's, it's, that is a very good rule of thumb um, that if it's a place where you can take a handgun with your license, uh, then it is a place where you can take your uh, uh, take the knife. Now, what about uh, forty six restricted knife? What about forty six dot oh three five? Okay, where what places in forty six oh three five can you t- cannot take a, a restricted knife, a location well, restricted knife? Um, and this actually kind of gets into what we were talking about, or, or it sort of dovetails into a lot of the discussions we've had this week about carrying in church. Because as you're aware, there are several locations under 46035 where a license holder can take their handgun if they are not given notice under 4603, uh, for, I mean, pardon me, 30-06 or 30-07. And those four places would be um, hospitals, nursing homes, churches, and amusement parks, uh, and meetings of governmental entities. Okay, well, there is no such 30-06 or 30-07 exception, if you want to call it that, to those places. And so, for example, at a church, uh, unless a church has given a verbal 30-06 and and or 30-07 notice or posted a 30-06 and or 30-07 sign, uh, a license holder can take their handgun into a church, but they could not take a location-restricted knife. So... You can, you know, assuming that your church has no 30-06 and or 30-07 sign, you can take, as a license holder, you can take your handgun into the church, could not take your sword into the church. So anything that's listed in 46035, you cannot take a location-restricted knife. Cannot. Right, because they specifically listed them out in the new section of 4603 that they wrote. Gotcha. Okay. And actually, they wrote a new one called um, uh, mental state mental facilities. Okay. And they actually created a list of about 12, I believe. I can't remember all of them. Now, let me but ask. Of course, there's, you know, Rusk and, and Austin State and all those other places. All right. Then let me ask you about churches. Okay. So, churches, we actually were able to get a bill passed, and the governor signed it to allow churches to be able to have, like, a not really a security team, but to provide their own security without actually being security. That's correct. That was actually a great accomplishment, and it kind of came from out of nowhere. I mean, I really didn't expect it uh, because it's it's something that, that I've been answering questions about for the last 10 years because of a uh, probably an ill-advised Q&A that the DPS had put on their website, which said that if a church does have a voluntary security team, they – probably are violating the uh, the Occupations Code, uh, Chapter 1702, uh, which says that people can only provide security services if they're a licensed security guard and they work for a licensed security guard company. Um, and they somebody asked the DPS this. They put it on their website 10 years ago. Hey, can churches have their own volunteer security team? The DPS said, oh, that probably violates the law. A lot of folks took that as gospel which it was not. It was just simply a poorly written answer on an FAQ on the DPS website. As far as I know, no church security guard, no church security volunteer, no church was ever brought up on any kind of charges, either administrative or criminal, about violating 1702. But it worried a lot of churches. And I understand that worry. Um, 
And so, uh, so this was an issue that I thought was maybe just kind of percolating in the background. Uh, but fortunately, a legislator had had it brought to their attention. They made it an amendment to a general occupations code bill. And yes, a church now can have a group of volunteers uh, who do not wear uniforms that make them look like police and who do not have any kind of badge or other insignia that declares that they are quote-unquote security, uh, they now can have these volunteer groups, and they don't have to worry about being in violation of the occupation's code. But they have they to have a handgun license. Security. But they have to have a handgun license. Well, if they want to carry a gun, yes. Okay. But they don't have to carry a gun. But you're right. If they want to, if they want to, they're not prohibited. License holders are not prohibited from acting as these volunteer church security members. They're not prohibited from carrying their handguns pursuant to their license while acting as a volunteer church security member. So there's no requirement that they have a handgun, but there's no law prohibiting a license holder from having a handgun while in that capacity. Okay. When you say church, you do I mean is that cover all religious groups? Yes. Like- Mosque. Yes, and and the, the the proper wording of the statute is um, uh, places of religious worship. So yeah, it covers uh, covers temples, synagogues, mosques, churches. You know, any place where uh, a religious service is conducted. Man, I tell you what, thank you, Edwin. I really appreciate you coming on today and laying this out for us, like you always do. And you know what, I'm going to get you on again, but next week we're actually going to have uh, Susanna Hupp. On the show, I'm going to have her inside the studio. We're actually going to have um, another guest inside the studio, uh, Jerry Patterson. I'm going to have Jerry Patterson and Susanna Hupp together. Uh, but unfortunately, we're not going to have that on. They're not going to be here live on Sunday. They're going to be here live a different day. We're just going to air it on Sunday. But we will do the Facebook live video sometime during the week whenever that interview happens. But I'm going to have Susanna Hupp. And Jerry Patterson inside the studio. They are the what I call the mother and father of the concealed handgun license law for the state of Texas. And so that's going to be an exciting show. But but Edwin, you know what? Thank you very much, sir. I really appreciate you laying this out for us. You actually told me some stuff that I did not know. You cleared some things up for me as well. So I really appreciate it. Mike, you know everything. No, I do not. <laughs> but thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. You have a, a, a good rest of your weekend. Thanks for having me. It's always my pleasure to speak with you and your listeners. Outstanding, sir. Thanks, Edwin. All right, so yeah, that was Edwin Walker with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. And man, I tell you, Edwin always gives us all the good information about a lot of stuff. All right, so you guys, I mean, there's a lot going on right now. We're gonna we're gonna scratch that next break. But uh, so I hear the Austin, the city of Austin, just approved. Uh, what is it? One hundred and fifty thousand dollars, or you know, for a police officer for a using excessive force. You guys hear about that? Yeah. City council just approved one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and this officer. This is not the first time they've had to pay out money for this same police officer. This is the third time they've had to pay out money for this same police officer. This is the third lawsuit. Uh, one case was one hundred and fifty four thousand. Another case is one hundred and fifty thousand. One case is a million dollars for the same officer. So my question is, why in the world can we not get rid of this police officer? So, you know, I, I just want to know that. Why in the world? Why in the world can we not get rid of this police officer? So I'm very curious about that. 
Uh, so, you know, 154,000 in one case back in 2011, excessive force, 150,000 in 2015, and a million dollars in 2012. That's crazy. Same officer. Same things happening over and over again. What is going on? We have a, a Democratic mayor. We have a Democratic city council member. We have a Democrat who's our district attorney. There's your answer. Why it's, in the it's, world? It's an account of- accountability issue with a specific officer. We had this conversation with Chief Manley, uh, me and Chaz Moore, a couple other people at uh, Big Data Walk uh, at Turner Roberts. It's like you, you don't want these these things to be put on the whole police force, right? But uh, you portray this, you know, the blue, you know, the blue thing, right? It's a it's a gang to us. I'm from a gang, so I can, I can recognize a gang. Uh, but the shameful part is uh, police in this country is being put on the same spectrum as gangs. Uh, that That's scary to me. Uh, you're talking to a 28-year-old, five-time felon. I've been shot eight times. So I, I can recognize, uh, you know, something in a specific person. And it may be a lot of officers who are very good, but the accountability issue is if you see somebody doing something, uh, you go out of your way even if you if you risk your job or whatever. That's what's not happening. That, that's but we're making excuses because the happening. DA, the DA is the one person that can actually prosecute these people. Well, they all work together, man. And so that, so that, that's a cop out because the DA is a Democrat. And so my question is, why are people still continuing to vote these people into office if they're not going to prosecute? Because this is not a new problem. We're talking 2011. We're talking 2012. We're talking 2015. This is not a new problem. They prosecute the people they want them to prosecute. If it's if, if it's somebody, uh, you know. The grand jury prosecutes these cases blindly all the time. If you go into the jail system and you don't know anybody, you sitting there, you can't find out. They, they, uh, you know, they push these cases across the desk all the time. So but why? If it, so if why it, is the black community putting these same people into office? And it's seven percent black. If every person of the seven percent black voted, and a million people, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. What, but they're still what supporting them. They're still supporting when it comes to these uh, different meetings, these different uh, in the Democratic Party itself. They're still supporting them. They're well, still voting a, them. You want to be a part of something? You, you, it's like a, a drop in a bucket. If you can't, if you, if your voice you think won't make a, a difference. When you uh, go with your people, then you might as well just go wherever you go, wherever you want to go. Well, maybe I'm just a unique person. Yeah. I, I was born in Florida. I wasn't born in Texas, so maybe I'm just different. <laughs> when I see something that's wrong, I clearly say, you know what, something's wrong, and I'm not going with that. Yeah, you know. Right. So maybe I just born with a different blood because yeah, right. I, I clearly see something's wrong here. It's a pattern, and it needs to change. And you stop voting these same people into office. Yeah. That's just me. I don't know. You guys tell me. Am I believe I right? the same thing. That's why uh, me and my brother Ryan here are trying to register <laughs> felons to vote. Um, that's a, that's something that we we didn't uh, we didn't touch on. I want to. And talk. you didn't even tell everybody your name. So my name is Jacory Odoo. People are asking me who's this other black guy that's not Michael. Oh man, I'm just a pretty guy in a, in a tan Calvin Klein hat. That's All right. So what's your name again? Jacory Odoo. All right. So Jacory, tell me your story. What what. You know, oh man, that, you gotta you gotta you gotta stay tuned for the full story. But as of right now, I work on topical issues, uh, families that need food. Uh, I worked very closely with the Hurricane Harvey situation, specifically in Port Arthur and Beaumont. And you um, say you're trying to um, you're trying to get uh, felons to register to vote. Res- why, is, why is that? Felons that are off the record because we correct it is a felony for a felon who isn't off the record to 
register how many, how many years, how many years? Well, it, it doesn't it, it's not about years it's about uh the off paper um, being on, paper. on or off paper and okay. being on or off paper is uh is the tricky part you can actually be committing a stage of a felony if you register to vote and you're on paper. So, so you need to make sure you're not on probation. You need to know what that deferred, means. Not deferred education yeah. or anything like that, and then everything has been, yeah. been scrapped well, or whatever. You can owe the court. You know, you can owe court costs. You have, you cannot be on community su- supervision at all. And um, a couple of other city organizers, we're working together to figure out if there's any legal assistance that we can provide, uh, like some type of hotline you can call or a website you can go to to check and make sure that you are uh, not on paper because you know you don't want to you don't want to get charged with state jail felony in Travis County. All right, and you guys have a voter registration event that's coming up on Thursday. What is that about? Well, I'll let Ryan talk to you about that. I'd ask you too many questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on Thursday we're going to be having an event at Stinson's Bar. Okay. Um, what's the address again? Um, but- Without the chewing gum, I can't hear you. Okay. So, yeah, so it'll be at Stinson's Bar. Um, It's a voter registration. It's, you know, anyone's invited, but we are particularly focusing on, you know, minority communities and felons to try and get improve the voter turnout. Mm. Okay, I don't know how I feel about that just yet. I'm trying to soak that in. Janai, because I honestly, I I don't know how I feel about that. I'm, I'm trying. I'm just trying. I'm just processing I mean, it. Of I, all I, the I, causes, not that felons don't deserve anything, but my God, they ruined someone's life probably. Yeah. So why are we focusing on that? Because they served their time. So shouldn't they have their rights back? Well, well, what about the woman who was raped and she's she's got a life sentence? How about how about helping her? How about that? Yeah, I mean, those, like I said, these are all topical issues <clears throat> right now out of 70,000. Rough, roughly 70,000 African Americans in this county, 300 of them voted. That's atrocious. That's something that we can deal with right now. And there's a lot of things that, you know, you're saying that if she's in jail for life? No, 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 no. I'm saying as a victim, uh-huh. I will suffer my entire life from being attacked. Yeah. Okay? My sister was raped and murdered. That weighs on me. Mm-hmm. So for women that are attacked, assaulted, raped. You serve a life sentence, so to speak, mentally, okay? Might not be behind bars, but quite frankly, you might as well at times in your life because you'd feel safer, okay? So I don't honestly, and I and I'm and I'm don't want to offend anybody, but I don't have any sympathy for felons because you ruined someone's life, oh, so I, to speak. I, Not you. I don't no, know what I, you did. I, 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 totally, I totally understand. I agree that some people should be in jail. I've heard some very atrocious things. I've seen some very, uh, very crazy stuff. But at the end of the day, um, if somebody makes it out of the Texas Department of Corrections, on parole or, you know, served all of their time. Half I, the time I, they don't serve enough time. The person that attacked me served five years. And that's when we need to go and make sure so we're... So why don't you fight for longer sentences? Well, we, we need to fight for programs. In the mic, in the mic. We're, we're going to... We're fighting for multiple things, <clears throat> you know. Um, one is, yeah, we, we want to get felons to be able to vote because they are still people. But... That doesn't mean that, you know, they shouldn't crack down more on violent crimes because rape is a violent crime. And, you know, 
get the sentences I'm that they deserve for those times. I'm just why you're choosing that as your cause of all the causes out there in this world of the people that need help, which I've lent my hand many times for many different causes. But I'm just asking what is is making you drawn to that? Well, before we go, let me <clears> say <throat> this. Let me, let me say this. Um, I'm not a Democrat, Republican. I, this is not a Democrat, anything. Republican, I'm, 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 or anything. I'm a, I'm a, this is I'm, a human. I'm one specific person, right? Uh-huh. And I deal with people on a very individual basis. Um, and that's all I can say. I, I want people to have the freedom to vote if it's allotted to them, right? And and even though they may have done what they, they did to get in jail or uh, become a felon, I can't stop them from wanting to vote. And that that's just the same as me stopping them from wanting to vote because they're black, because they've been in jail. They've done some things and they've paid that, you know, they're just due. If we believe in uh, our justice system, which I'm going to say on the record, I don't, um, you know, we have to trust that when they let people out of jail, it's not always for a good, good, good reason, or it's not always going to end up the right way, but that's just the way it's set up. It's been set up like this for years. Sure. It's just I'm just wondering why that's the cause that you've chosen. And like part maybe, of it, let's get them to do more community service. Let's five seconds. Yeah, what you got? Part of it is just to get more. Um, what am I trying to say? Um, just treat them like people, and just it's one more way we can treat felons like people, um, and try and make them feel like they have something to work towards. They can become a citizen again once they've served their time. All right, I want to thank you guys for coming out to the show today. I want to, you know, I'm really sad about the mayor boycotting the Veterans Day Parade, so I hope you guys don't forget that come election time. Let's let that mayor know that we're upset that he did not support our veterans on Veterans Day. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out and buy yourself a gun. You've been listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.